Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 2 The Royal Captive by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter 8. Jacka Attack. The plan to rescue Richenda was set, and it would go into action the very next night. The sleuths would row to Mudtown at dusk, and Zelly would cast the invisibility spell over herself so she could sneak into the tower through the hidden door under the creepers. She would steal the key and unlock Richenda's cell, extending her magic over the princess so they could get back to the waiting boat unseen. Philippe was looking grim. There's quite a lot that could go wrong, he frowned, but it's the only plan we've got, so let's hope it works. As dusk fell, they set off. The explorer wound its way up the great river, accompanied by the buzzing of insects and jungle shrieks. Ratha was at the front, keeping a sharp lookout, as they rode to the place they had moored the explorer the previous day. Milo had his spyglass trained on the jetty. I can only see one guard, he whispered, sweeping the area carefully. And no sign of that core. Phew, said Sophie. We need to land Zelly on the jetty, whispered Zav. She can't swim over. She'll make too much noise, even if she is invisible. Not to mention we've got no idea what might be lurking in that water, added Sophie, looking nervously at the black, glistening surface of the river. But how can we drop her off without being seen? asked Milo. Let's send Rafa as a diversion, Sam suggested. Then we can quickly row Zelly to the jetty and wait back here. Philippe nodded. Let's try it. Zav spoke quietly to Rafa and pointed at the guard, miming what he wanted the monkey to do. Rafa's intelligent little face was fixed on Zav's and he nodded vigorously, pointing at himself, then at the guard. With a grin, Rafa swung himself into the trees and disappeared into the dense jungle. Milo was keeping his eyeglass trained on the guard. Suddenly, with a loud chattering, Rafa appeared, swinging himself onto the guard's shoulders and clinging on. The guard yelled, swinging from side to side as he tried to shake the tenacious little monkey off. But Rafa leapt from his shoulders, clutching the guard's House of Barbosa hat, and scampered to the edge of the jungle. There, the Mariki paused, looking behind him and waving the hat in a tempting sort of way until the guard, snorting with anger, chased after him. It was just the opportunity the sleuths needed to swing the boat into the river's current and deliver an invisible Zelly onto the jetty. While Rafa had been distracting the guard, Zelly had closed her eyes. Fairy fee, fairy fee, grant me invisibility, she had whispered. And... More quickly than ever before, she dissolved into the air. The explorer bumped against the wooden jetty and the invisible Zelly jumped lightly ashore. Good luck, the others whispered. We'll be waiting for you. And they quickly turned the boat back the way they had come. Zelly crept towards the high stone tower. Philippe had described the location of the hidden door and when she swept aside the curtain of vines, there it was. Holding her breath, Zelly clutched the iron ring and turned it. 
The door swung inwards without a sound, and she ducked inside. A narrow stone staircase led upwards to her left, and another door lay straight in front of her. This second door was ajar, and she could hear the sound of low voices coming from inside. It must be the guard's room, and they would have the key. Taking a deep breath, Zelly sneaked through the open door. Two men, dressed in the black, green and yellow of the Barbosa livery, were sprawled on chairs playing cards at a battered wooden table. There was a peg with a large brass key hanging on it to the left of the doorway. The guards were absorbed in their game and weren't looking at the entrance to the room. Glancing at them and hoping they wouldn't turn around to see the key gliding through the air alone and unaided, Zelly unhooked it and tiptoed back through the door. I wonder how many people this key has locked away, she thought. It looks ancient. She crept up the spiralling stone staircase until she reached the door at the top. Zelly knelt by the keyhole and peered in. She could just make out the figure of the princess huddled on a rickety-looking camp bed. Zelly glanced behind her to check she was alone and whispered, Regenda, it's me, Zelly. The princess looked up, startled. Zelly, she breathed, hope dawning on her frightened face. I'm here to get you out, hissed Zelly. Hang on. The key turned stiffly in the lock. The door opened and Zelly came face to face with the princess. Uh, Zelly? Richenda asked, staring at the empty doorway in confusion. Where are you? Oh, sorry, the invisible Zelly replied. Forgot to say, I'm invisible. And she put her hand out to take her friends. Richenda's puzzlement quickly became joy. Wow, she said. How did you do it? No time to explain, Zelly replied, pulling her out of the room and locking the door once more. We need to get out of here. I'm going to extend the invisibility spell to you. Richenda nodded eagerly. Can you concentrate really hard and think of something that makes you feel safe and happy? Zelly asked. Yes, of course, said the princess, squeezing her eyes shut and imagining herself with her parents once more in their beautiful flower-filled garden. Fairy fee, fairy fee, grant Richenda invisibility, Zelly whispered. For a moment... Nothing happened. Zelly concentrated as hard as she could, feeling the warm tingle and visualising Richenda vanishing in front of her. Very slowly, the edges of the princess's body started to wobble and dissolve. Richenda looked down at herself in amazement. It's working, she whispered. Keep concentrating, replied Zelly, her eyes still clamped shut. In another minute... The rest of the princess had disappeared and the two girls crept down the twisting stairs. When they reached the bottom, Zelly paused. Wait here, she whispered. I need to put the key back. She crept back into the guardroom and slid the key onto the ring. She was not a moment too soon. Just after she had replaced it, one of the guards stood up and stretched. Better go and check on our special guest, he yawned and trudged towards the door. Sally crept away, trembling. Our luck is going to run out soon, she thought to herself. She grabbed Richenda's hand and pulled her through the hidden door into the night. Then, Sally paused, looking at the jetty. How are we going to get back to the boat? She thought in panic. We didn't plan that part. 
Just then, something jumped onto her shoulder. She very nearly screamed with shock, but managed just to let out a squeak of surprise as she saw Rafa grinning. Just who we need, Zelly said with relief. The Mariki reached out his hand to Richenda. How does he know I'm here? asked Richenda. He's a very clever little monkey, that's how, said Zelly proudly. Suddenly, they heard a yell from the top of the tower. Richenda's escape had been discovered. They ran into the cover of the jungle, Ratha leading them confidently back to the boat. They pushed through the undergrowth in the pitch black, giant waxy leaves flapping in front of them. Zelly repressed a shudder as a cobweb caressed her face, but she carried on, holding tight to Rafa's tail and pulling Richenda behind her. They fought through the thick greenery until they could make out the gleam of water and the shape of the explorer ahead. Then there was a rustle behind them. Rafa looked back and gave a cry of fright. There, on the jungle floor, its yellow eyes gleaming in the darkness, was the reptilian shape of a jacker. It was staring at them, standing completely still, almost as if it was made of stone. The girls were still invisible. Surely it couldn't see them. But it could sense them. And it knew the little monkey was not alone. It stared balefully, as if making up its mind. And then... It streaked towards them, its powerful muscles propelling it along, faster than an arrow shot from a bow. But Rafa had followed his jungle instincts. As soon as he had seen the monster, he had pulled Zelly upwards into the nearest tree. Richenda was struggling, but between them, Zelly and Rafa managed to pull her up into the safety of the branches, just as the vicious teeth of the jacker ripped through the air, exactly where her invisible foot had just been hanging. With a snarl of fury, the jacker flung itself at the tree as if determined to shake them out of it. But Rafa was too quick for it. He was leading Zelly and Richenda along the branches of the next tree and the next until they reached the ones next to the water. The sleuths pulled the branches down over the boat and the girls swung to safety. But there was no time to celebrate. Milo's sharp eyes had spotted the dark shape of the jacker stalking them through the trees and they hurriedly pushed off. At the last second, the jacker appeared again, snatching some of the boat's mooring rope with its furious fangs, hissing and snarling from the bank. But the explorer was taken by the current and moved smoothly through the water. However, the danger had not gone. Moving relentlessly toward them from upriver was a dark shape with a strange white figure bobbing above it. As it moved closer, the children gasped in horror. A huge jacker, twice the size of the one who had chased Zelly and Richenda through the jungle, was ploughing through the river, and on its head perched a gleaming white bird with a sharp, cruel beak, its cold eyes staring right at the children. Gah! Gah! Its cry of alarm ripped through the humid jungle air, and the sleuths went cold with fear. I gore spies, said Philippe grimly, gripping his wooden oar like a weapon. All ready, Sam, he asked. Ready, nodded Sam, who had also raised his paddle. The explorer was travelling quickly with the current, but the jacker was gaining on them, its bulbous yellow eyes glowing like lamps in the pitch black. There was a rustle from the riverbank beside the boat and Zav spun round to see more long, dark shapes moving there, tracking the boat by land. They were surrounded. 
Suddenly, the core behind them spread its luminous wings and took to the air, circling the boat with a gah, gah, which seemed loud enough to awaken all of Frenchtown. The jacker it had been riding on slowly submerged until it had disappeared. Zav felt sick. It had been bad enough when they could see the monster. It was definitely worse not knowing where it was. Bang! A heavy body hit the explorer very deliberately. The boat swayed but retained its balance. But bang! Another thud and the boat shook. Just below Sam, a terrifying sight rose up from the depths. White fangs the size of carving knives glowed in the darkness as the jacker's jaws opened and it hissed at the boy above. "'Now!' shouted Philippe, and at the same time he and Sam swung their oars. Philippe aimed his downward and jammed the oar into the jacker's open jaws to stop it from snapping them closed. It thrashed in the dark water, its knobbly tail lashing out wildly, making a horrible gargling sound until it floated away, out of sight. Meanwhile, Sam had aimed at the core circling above them. He gave the bird a huge whack and it somersaulted in the air, dazed. It came at them again, but Sam was ready. Whack! And this time the bird retreated, flying limply away with a final defeated... Gah! All hands to oars! cried Philippe urgently. They'll be heading back to their master to report. We have to get back before the others join the chase. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more adventures in Chapter 9, Escape from French Town. Check out the interactive map on our website, supersleuths.net. Want to read along? Supersleuths Book 2, The Royal Captive, is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Why not rate our podcast? See you next time.